0: You're listening to The Conversation with Adam Weber, lead pastor of Embrace Church and author of Love Has a Name.
1: Hey friends, it's Adam. This is The Conversation. Whether you meant to or not, I'm excited that you are tuning in. Hey, if you haven't done so yet, please go to spotify to apple podcast click the subscribe button also if you'd be willing to leave an honest review if you like the show awesome if you don't you can let me know that as well but the more reviews there are the more potential listeners there are and this episode in particular is one that I want everyone to hear I was able to connect with with pastor author speaker Mark Batterson and Mark has been on the conversation two other times this is his third time and he is currently leading the charge any time that i am asked to connect with mark batterson the answer is going to be yes we talk about his brand new book called do it for a day talking about habits how to start good habits and how to change bad habits this conversation is packed with wisdom i kid you not Mark is just an absolute joy. I know that you're going to be encouraged. As always, sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. Well, I'm here with a a legend in my eyes. He's an author. He is a pastor. He is a a preacher, speaker. Mark Batterson, huge honor to have you back on the conversation today.
0: Oh, Adam, always good to be
1: back. Yeah, just just a joy. I was bragging on you before this. Just crossed paths with a fellow South Dakotan who's out in D.C. attends your church. I said if I was in D.C., that is the very first place I would go. So again, just just so grateful for you and the time with you. I want to jump right into habits. Habits. We all have habits, and yet I think we underestimate the impact that they have on our lives. Tell us, tell us more about habits in general and how they impact and influence us.
0: Yeah. Well, show me your habits. I'll show you your future. You know, (laughs) destiny is not a mystery. Destiny is daily habits. So I I think you have to make or break the habits that are going to make or break you. So part of my intent, Adam, in writing this book was to really help people Uh, hack their own habits, or in a sense, deconstruct and reconstruct their habits. And, and, you know, that may sound intuitive or common sense, but, you know, according to a Duke University study, 45% of our behavior is automatic. In other words, it's second nature, so we don't really give it a second thought. And my argument would be that occasionally, like, you need to take a look at Physical, relational, spiritual, emotional habits. and And if you're going to reinvent yourself in a sense, you've got to rework uh, or redesign some of those habits. And so really, that's the intent behind the book,
1: yeah, that's that's slightly terrifying that stat. Like I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I need to look into my habits and the habits that I have. So for you personally, hey, can- yeah, you well, go. Can you we go. have a
0: little bit of fun right here, Adam? Let's Let's
1: go. This is scary. Like, go, yeah.
0: Because uh, because all of us are creatures of habit. So I'll just put a few of mine out there. For whatever reason, I always set my alarm to an even number. I do. Do you do you go even odd, or does that just sound weird to you? No, mine's always even. Mine's always okay. even. And and for whatever reason, I, I finally figured this out. I always put my pants on uh, right leg first, but I put my shoes on left shoe first. Like why? I have no idea. (laughs) These are, these are the great mysteries of life. But, but what's funny is that, you know, those, those don't have a huge impact, but, uh, some of those other habits that, that, uh, You know, if we don't pay attention to them, they actually do have a huge impact on our lives. And so it's part of it is just making it's self-awareness. It's making these kind of almost subconscious habits, bringing them to the level of consciousness and then in a sense, figuring out, well, what's working and what's not because your life is perfectly designed for the results you're getting. Oh, my goodness. If I began to
1: evaluate, just even as you said that stat, and talked about your morning, I I think I would be blown away. I I am a creature of habit in so many different ways. And, uh, and yet I go through them mindlessly, not even really thinking about the impact that they have on me. So for for you personally, how have you created healthy, like healthy habits, habits that you've wanted, whether it comes to your spiritual life, your, your, your health, uh, how, how have you done that?
0: Well, you know, I want to say that that growing up playing sports actually helped me become a somewhat disciplined person. You know, I I played basketball in college and uh, for about 10 years, I would have practiced dribbling or shooting uh, or some kind of skill. Uh, for about two hours a day, almost every day for about 10 years. So it's, it's this, uh, it's this 10,000 hour rule, which, which of course, Malcolm Gladwell popularized, but it's a guy named Anders Erickson um, wrote a great book, peak performance that, uh, talks about how it's not just 10,000 hours. It's gotta be deliberate practice. In other words, it has to be about 70% effort. Uh, anything less than that, uh, you you actually will uh, incorporate bad habits if you're trying to build those habits. So uh, I'm fascinated by this stuff. And I would say for me, it started with probably uh, habits that had to do more with Getting into shape physically or or you know, something that would help me in the sport that I was playing, which happened to be basketball. I would say that it's translated into spiritual disciplines, whether that's a daily Bible reading plan, a gratitude journal, uh, or even the the practice of prayer. Uh, I've learned just to, practice those habits one day at a time. And I tell you what, they they don't just add up, they multiply. There's a a compound interest, Albert Einstein called compound interest, the eighth wonder of the world. And it's not just uh, investing, it's not just financial, it's these habits that over time will have a cumulative effect. And so um, I think it starts with us just identifying what are the habits that we need to make or break, uh, because they're going to make or break us.
1: Yeah, that's, that's good recently. And I I believe, uh, he's a friend of yours as well. Brad Lominick. I was listening to Brad. He was talking about something he did to help with running. He's now a runner and he tries to do an instant reward after a run every day, Mm -mm. like kind of something to spoil himself a little bit. Just like, Hey, I'm doing this five miler, but at the end of this five miles, I'm going to go get a coffee drink or I'm going to go get an energy drink that I like. He was yep. talking about that for you mentioned spiritual life. H- how so if we have this desire, I know I should spend more time in prayer. I know I should spend more time in my Bible. You know whatever it might be. How does that actually go from a desire? Like I know I
0: should to an actual habit though help help fill that gap there oh man well where where do we want to start i i think it probably starts with something called a commitment device and i talk a little bit about it in the book you, you in fact i used a commitment device to write my first book i uh, i used my 35th birthday as a deadline adam and and so I'm not going to turn 35 without a book to show for it. You have to kind of, a dream without a deadline is called a wish. Uh, and, and it's probably not going to happen. You, you have to, uh, you, you can't just set goals. You have to schedule goals. So, you know, I think it starts often with a uh, with a commitment device. And then I talk a little bit about habit switching and habit stacking. I, I won't deep dive that. I'll just say this. Uh, I do a daily Bible reading plan, but but I usually do it while drinking a latte with two shots of espresso. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and it's for a very simple reason uh the bible reads better with caffeine it just does <laughs> and and so my morning starts with this ritual and and it doesn't hurt that my office is right above our coffee house in capitol hill so but when i have it stack and do those two things together it's kind of what brad is doing with that that instant reward y- you have to uh Well, it's a three step process. You have to identify the prompt, you have to interrupt the pattern, and you have to imagine the prize. And it's this uh, habit loop, which certainly is not original with me. You know, you've got MIT doing research on it, a guy named BF Skinner. This goes way back. But can, can I just... Let let me, I won't deep dive this too much, but let (laughs) me just say. This is good. Keep going. Keep going. Okay, because the the Sermon on the Mount is all about habit formation. Spiritual formation is habit formation. Stop and think about it. Um, It's six counter habits. Uh, Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Bless those who curse you. Turn the other cheek, go the extra mile and give the shirt off of your back. Well, when, when someone slaps you, the natural reaction is to slap back. So the, the prompt there is the slap but Jesus interrupts the pattern and says, why, why don't you try turning the other cheek? Why don't you try praying for those who persecute you? Why don't you try blessing those who curse you and, and see what happens? And, and then you have to imagine the prize. And and for those of us who follow Jesus, you, you know, it's it's treasure stored up in heaven. It's, it's yeah. hearing the Father say, well done, good and faithful servant. It's living for the applause of nail-scarred hands. So I, I think a lot of habit formation has to do with um, just – sort of reverse engineering uh, some of those things and, and finding a way um, to, to make it um, work for you. Yeah, that 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 is that is so good. By the way, Mark's new book
1: is called Do It for a Day. Fun fact, if you cover the why at the end, like I had a piece of paper covering it on my on my desk earlier today, someone thought it said do it for Adam. <laughs> and so <laughs> they're like they're like, What is that book about? And I'm like, why are you looking at me like that? And they're like, Do it for Adam? I'm like, no, move the piece of paper. It's called Do It for a Day.
0: I okay, could I love it, but maybe that's the sequel no no
1: no no it's not the sequel i can I can tell you from God on his behalf that it's not the sequel but okay, you 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 good. you mentioned the power of, of like 30 days I, I know for for me I'm constantly it's honestly a negative thing about my personality. I'm constantly focused on the future and where we're headed yeah. and so I'll focus on the next 30 years uh yeah. tell, tell us about the 30 day aspect of it.
0: Well, I, I often ask people a question when, when they're trying to make or break a habit, especially one that, Adam, seems impossible, yeah. something that might border on an addiction, something that we may call a habitual sin. Uh, all They'll feel like, well, I just can't do it. And so the question I'll ask is, can you do it for a day? Yeah. And And no one says no, and anybody <laughs> can do it for a day. And so, um I, I think what you have to do is live in these day compartments and and do it one day at a time. Now, you know, experts in habit formation would say that it takes anywhere between twenty one and two hundred and fifty four days to make or break a habit, which is quite the range, by the way. <laughs> um, I, I think it I think it depends on the person and it depends on the habit. and so, but, but, If you do it for 30 days, I think you've got a really good shot at making that habit or breaking that habit.
1: Yeah, that's good. And I think something so many people need to hear. I'm also glad that we're not on video right now because uh, I still, the nail biting thing is still a struggle on this end. And so the fact that you gave that example, I died laughing on this end. But Mark, I want to shift our conversation. You you are in Washington, D.C., and we're, we're past the election, and yet it feels like by the day we almost dream up stuff to become divided over. How, how have you uh, attempted to be a unifier, and uh, what, what does that look like for you in the, the part of the world that feels it so, so strongly?
0: Yeah, well, let me let me start with a question that I'm asking our congregation and leaders. You know, what what percentage of your thoughts, words, and actions are a regurgitation of the news you're watching or the social media you're following, and what percentage is a revelation that you're getting from God's Word? We've got to make sure that the still small voice of the Holy Spirit is the loudest voice in our life right now. You know, there's a lot of trending hashtags out there, and uh, not all of them are bad, but we've got to make sure that we're taking our cues from the Word of God, from the Spirit of God. And so I, I start right there. And then I've challenged our congregation let's stand in the gap as peacemakers, grace givers, and tone setters. Like we feel like we're called to shift the atmosphere. And the the way you do that is by uh, operating in a spirit of humility you, you exercise faith, hope and love and uh, you know Dr. King said Let, let's not be thermostats that just reflect uh, or, or thermometers that reflect room temperature. let's be thermostats yes. that change the temperature and I, I just I love that analogy like are we are we being affected but what's happening around us, or are are we bringing our a game? Uh, and and by the way, I think that that means being spirit filled, spirit led. It means really taking our cues from scripture and uh, and taking our cues from Jesus. And when we when we do that, we begin to shift the atmosphere around us. And so that's what we're trying to do. There there's an awful lot of racial tension, and political polarization, especially where we live. Um, But we're going to continue to operate as peacemakers, grace givers, tone setters. And uh, it's not getting easier, but that's what we're called to, to stand in that gap.
1: Yeah, Mark, Mark, a question off that, not as for you as a pastor author, but as a follower of Christ, something I've been really wrestling with is when to speak up and when to be quiet. Um, um, what what is that just advice? Again, it's easy to say, what should Mark Batterson do or what should I do? But as a follower of Christ, what what advice would you give to the person who's I I find myself, gosh, should I speak? Should I not? Should I speak? Should I not?
0: Yeah. Well, and and you know, for starters, it, um, Oswald Chambers said, let God be as original with others as he was with you. And so I don't want to be too prescriptive here because I think this is about each one of us discerning how the spirit of God is leading us. Um, I do believe that there is a, a sin of silence. It's not saying what needs to be said. Yeah. I, I think there are moments where you you need to speak the truth and, of course, speak the truth in love. And and I think it's uh, James who said, you know, if if you know the good, you ought to do, but you don't do it, for you it's sin. And so there inaction is an action, uh, indecision is a decision. And so I really have tried to figure out, hey, is this is this a battlefield that that I need to uh, take a stand? That I I need to raise my voice, or is this a moment where, um, it, it's not my battlefield to die on, and and be, because, you know, right right now, I mean, they're they're, it's hard to know which fight to to pick because they're <laughs> happening all around us. In fact, Adam, the thing I've I learned in this season as a communicator, especially as a pastor, that no matter what I say it's never enough. And it's always too much. Yeah. Like you, you, you it, it's, <laughs> it, it's, I am really realizing that at the end of the day, uh, I, boy, I want to say this lovingly. Um, but only one person is going to be, uh, sitting on the throne that I give account to, and it's not going to be you. It's not going to be me. It's going to be Jesus, and I'm going to give an account to him. And so at the end of the day, I want to, I want to make sure that I'm uh, living for the applause of nail-scarred hands, that, that I, I'm living with uh, You know, the fear of God, not the fear of people. And uh, that's harder and harder, but I, I think that's the standard that the Lord's called us to. gosh. Ah uh, that's that's one of those uh
1: that I might go replay myself and listen to as a pep talk before I decide to speak or not speak. So so good. We we talked before even coming on Mark about just the church uh just right now even percentage of pastors that are considering leaving leaving ministry right now. Uh, for, for you personally, is this a, and there's no right or wrong answer, are you currently discouraged or encouraged about the church in our country? Like maybe, maybe start there. What, what is, what is your, what is your, when your feelings about that?
0: Wow. That's a, that's a question that, uh, how much time do we have? (laughs) Uh, because that, that's a, there's no easy answer there. He here's, I subscribe to the, uh, Stocktail Paradox. It's one of those Jim Collins mantras that you confront the brutal facts with unwavering faith. And so the reality is tectonic sha- uh, plates are shifting beneath our feet right now. And anybody who studies culture or studies history, you can feel it. Um, I feel like it's a Hebrews twelve twenty seven moment. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken so that the unshakable things remain. I think God is shaking uh, false things. Uh, false identities, false securities, false narratives, false idols, false ideologies, you name it. There's an awful lot of shaking going on. What I'm confident of is that the kingdoms of this world are becoming the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ that I'm confident. And I'm confident that the day will come that every nation, tribe, people, language will worship around the throne of God. And so i'm not I'm not ignorant to the challenges that we face. and uh, I think in many ways, you know the the church will function in more of a a New Testament position, which isn't necessarily a majority position, where yeah. we we are fighting a few battles that it's uphill, and uh, it's not popular opinion. Um, but, but that's where the church has historically thrived, Adam. And, and I think sometimes we, uh, C.S. Lewis called it chronological snobbery that we get so focused <laughs> on right here, right now. It's never been worse or it's never been better. It, it, no, 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 no. Come on. let's. Everything that is has been before. It's the Ecclesiastes. There's nothing new <laughs> under the sun. In fact, I was with an 82-year-old pastor yesterday and I asked him, Hey, just compare 1968, you walk through it. It was a hard year. You know, Dr. King, uh, Robert Kennedy, uh, both assassinated and, and uh, you know, just everything that kind of in culture happened and then even 69 was a crazy year. Um, how do you compare that to with what we're, we're living through right now? And, you know, it was great for me just to hear the perspective yeah. because- I, I think sometimes we've got to, we've got to remember the past and then we've got to remember the future that I've read the end of the book. I know how this ends and I'm, I'm confident that I'm on the right team. Uh, and so um, <laughs> let, let's let stay encouraged. Uh, e- even though the, the church is going to go through some pruning. The, the last thing I would say, Adam is, you know, it seems to me like God always works through a remnant. You know, we, we want, Majority position, but God always works through a remnant. Whether it's Gideon's army or or the remnant returning from exile, that all God needs is 120 people in an upper room who are praying like it depends on Him. And if you get 120 people who are seeking God with that kind of intensity and consistency, well, then I think revival's around the corner. And so let let's believe for that, and uh, and and let's see. Uh, how God moves uh, in our generation, in our nation. Oh,
1: Mark, uh, do you have a specific challenge for uh, the followers of Jesus? There's, there's a whole bunch of people listening who, who are not Christians, don't follow Christ, but for those per- that person who does. Is there, uh, is there been something in your soul that you're just like, let's go church. Is there, is there anything that you're just <laughs> like, I, I just, I want to say this to, to the church, which includes, includes yourself as well. Is there anything that's just been coming to the surface inside of you?
0: Well, I, I would say we, we better fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And I love the way that he loved people. And and so I think really, that kind of radical love that he exercised without without um stepping away from conviction. In fact, I you know, John once says he was full of grace and truth. Grace means I'm going to love you no matter what. Truth means I'm going to be honest with you no matter what. And when those two things come together, there is no more powerful combination in the world than grace and truth. And so this is uh, a a moment to be uh, graceful and truthful. And uh, somehow in the combination thereof, um, I I believe that maybe... Let, let let me let me say let me say one more thing. This is good. Keep going. Uh, Keep going. I when when you actually practice, it, we'll go back to the Sermon on the Mount. When you actually uh, love people who hate you and pray for those who maybe persecute you and I by a first century definition where you've got people hiding in catacombs and being martyred for their faith, I'm not sure that we can call what we're experiencing persecution. So (laughs) I want to be, yeah, let's let's reality check right there. Um, but and then when you bless people who curse you, you're doing something that that is going to confuse people and they're going to ask the question like, what what is that about? Well, that's the Gospel. That's the good news. We have experienced the grace of God. And so what we need right now is an extra measure of grace, uh, especially in a culture where where people are getting canceled here, there and everywhere and and it's happening in a couple of different directions. And so I, I just don't think that uh, we're allowed that as followers of Jesus. In fact, he was hanging on a cross, and he said, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." He's literally forgiving the people that nailed his hands and his feet to those cross beams, and that's the standard that he set. And so, um, may may we practice that that uh, radical gospel uh, in a way that uh, invites people into relationship with Jesus.
1: Gosh, Mark, I feel like you are, you drop nuggets of wisdom just all over the place. Um, I'm endlessly grateful for the time. Again, Mark's newest book is called Do It For A Day. Uh, This is a book that just came in the mail to myself, and it is going to be my next read that I start uh, later this evening, actually. So I want to encourage you to go get a copy of that. Mark, thank you so much for the time today.
0: Hey, my joint privilege, Adam. Thanks so much.
1: Conversation with Adam Weber is produced by the Converge Podcast Network and proudly distributed on Faith Radio. Special thanks to these partners. For more information on this show, visit ConvergePodcast.com.